Thriving in divorce and beyond means not having to worry about the safety of your children when it comes to co-parenting. With alcohol abuse on the rise, many co-parents are turning to the system committed to providing proof, protection, and peace of mind. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking during parenting time. Soberlink's real-time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With Soberlink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Pull back the curtain on the mysteries of parenting time and trust the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology to keep you informed and your kids safe and secure. To download the resource I created with Soberlink, Divorce and Addiction, A Guide to Move Forward, visit www.soberlink.com backslash Susan. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. If your picker's broken, and that's what I call your people picker, your man picker, your woman picker, whatever it is, the way you're picking a romantic partner, the way you're picking the lid to your pot, if your picker is broken, it's not your fault. So if your picker's broken, exhale. This is the right place for you to be right now to hear the information that Susan and I are going to give you. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and guess what, everyone? Bella's back. Yay! Hi, everybody! I am so excited. You have to start out a new year with a visit from Bella because as you all know, if you've been listening to the podcast for any period of time, as we go into the January season, we are in peak dating season. So Bella's coming back. She's already done the episode on peak dating season. We've also done an episode on um, dating after divorce and how to get back out there. Today, we are going to dive into the topic of how to fix your picker, uh, why we pick the wrong people, and how we can start picking the right people. And this is kind of flowing. I'm going to get into this in a minute, but it really kind of flows from Bella's wonderful TEDx that she recently did. But first, let me remind you all about the wonderful Bella Gandhi. Bella is America's favorite dating expert and certainly the divorce and beyond favorite dating expert. You guys love her. I love her. Uh, my husband calls her the sunshine that walks into the room. So, and she really is. Everybody can see her smile there. So Bella is the founder of the Smart Dating Academy and you've seen her everywhere. She actually, we were just talking a minute ago. She just got off of Good Morning America and now she's here talking with all 
all of us. She's going to be on Good Morning America again in just a couple of days after this episode airs. You've seen her on the Today Show, Steve Harvey, Kelly Clarkson. Uh, who am I missing? You haven't been on Ellen yet. We talked about that the last time you were on, and Ellen still has not reached out. It's her last season. She better get cracking. From our <laughs> lips to God's ears to Ellen's ears. Come on, Ellen. So, but everybody else in this in the world has had Bella on, and it's a thrill to have you here again, Bella. So thank you so much for coming to join us. This is my favorite place to be for divorce. I, I mean, this is this is the perfect topic because as we, you and I were just talking about this, we are sitting here. And this episode will air in January. We're taping this right before New Year's. We are like entering into the the Super Bowl of dating season, peak dating season, but it's also divorce season. It's also the peak of, I mean, we just talked about divorce day just passed. That was January 3rd this year, but January is typically the month where, you know, people have just had it. And it's time to, if you were thinking about divorce, it's time to get going and get that divorce started. You know, it brought to mind that st those statistics that you and I have talked about before, right? 50% of first marriages end in divorce. Everybody knows that one. I get, you know, anytime you're speaking at something, people are like, oh yeah, everybody knows 50%. But Second marriages end in divorce 67% of the time, and third marriages and beyond are 74%. So we suck. We at, suck at this. <laughs> we are so bad and we get worse. We get worse. But here's the silver line, you guys, to this. If your picker's broken, and that's what I call your people picker, your man picker, your woman picker, whatever it is, the way you're picking a romantic partner, the way you're picking the lid to your pot, if your picker is broken, it's not your fault. I'll be like goodwill hunting. It's not your fault. <laughs> There's lots of forces that are working against us. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh boy, do I have a bad picker? First of all, everybody that comes to Smart Dating Academy will say, mea culpa, I have a bad picker. I'm like, it's okay. You can't pick your family of origin, right? And there's so many other things we can't pick. So if your picker's broken, exhale. This is the right place for you to be right now to hear the information that Susan and I are going to give you. It is discouraging for people, right? They By the time we have reached a certain age, the, most of the people who are listening, I think most of my listeners start in their mid-20s all the way up into you know, the 70s, the people who are listening, they've made some poor choices in the past. And in fact, your TEDx, uh, which was TEDx Chicago, Bella um, recently did it. And I have to tell you all, I'm going to put the link in the show notes. I really, truly urge you to go watch the TEDx directly. Uh, it, it is so worth it. I just was telling Bella, it's truly one of the best TEDx talks I've ever seen. It is just, you're going to walk away a changed person, I promise you. It's called The Big Secret to Finding Lasting Love. It was TEDx Chicago just a couple of months ago. Um, but you started your TEDx with this question for the audience. And so I, I want you to throw it out there again. You started your TEDx with the question, how many people have fallen in love with the wrong people? How many people in the audience raised their hands? Everybody, including me, the speaker, <laughs> right? And it's 
so interesting, Susan, that even looking at the YouTube comments for the TED Talk, people would say, as soon as you ask that question, and I'm sitting here watching the video, I put my hand up like somebody in like Botswana, right? Like this is a global phenomenon. So go easy on yourself if you've been picking the wrong people, because the fact of the matter is, we're not wired to pick the right people. Well, and that's really the where it all starts, right? You talk about this, and I think that this there's almost an exhale when you you understand why we are not wired to pick the right people. There's almost that like at least there's a relief in understanding that it's not our fault. So, so walk us through why we have such bad pickers. Well, you know, as humans, you guys, we have 2 million year old brains and humans don't evolve all that quickly. So we've been in our current sort of brain format for the past 200,000 years. Okay. And a lot's kind of changed in 200,000 years. So what we're driven to choose for dates back to, you know, caveman and cave woman days. The number one thing and, and this is also in the TED Talk. It still astounds me when I say this out loud. I ask women that are looking for men, heterosexual women that are looking for men, tell me all about your dream guy. And I'm just going to write down everything that you say about him. The number one thing that women say, and I've interviewed over 1,500 women in the last decade, they say tall. <laughs> preferably over six feet. And it was like a collective mic drop in the audience. But to me, this is the world I live in, the world I swim in. I know immediately a woman's going to say tall, taller than me, ideally over six feet. And I went back and looked at it and it's, why do we preference that, right? And if that's what we're looking for, and that has consequences on how we choose people in online dating, the parameters that we that we use, but we were looking for the big burly cavemen back in the day that could go out, find Buffalo, hunt Buffalo, kill Buffalo, bring Buffalo home, feed five wives and all the children. And so today women still say tall. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking all women. I've worked with women that are, you know, CEOs of $8 billion companies. I've worked with women that have never worked professionally a day in their lives because they were homemakers and they focused, their work was raising their children. And yet the things that we want are really the same. It's shocking to me. So we're still looking for that. And for men, it's the same thing. Men preference younger women. They say attractive, fit, younger. Why is that? Well, to survive multiple childbirths back in the day, right? I mean, at, in the year 1900, the world population was 1 billion. Today, we're over 7 billion, right? So if you think about it, a lot of us were dying during childbirth back in the day. So it's like, oh, okay, she looks young because she's going to have to do this a bunch of times. And ooh, that waist to hip ratio, those are some childbearing hips. I'll take that one for $5. That's how, and, and if you think about it, this is how we preference partners today. So, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with wanting somebody tall or men wanting somebody who's younger or fit or hourglass shaped. I'm just saying we're sort of wired for this stuff. And so what that means is, you can choose 
who you're attracted to. Knowledge is power, right? But the real power comes in execution. So now that you know this, that you don't necessarily have to keep doing the same thing over and over again. So my favorite part that I take out of that is we are looking for buffalo killers and men are looking for birthing hips. I mean, I'm seeing a graphic that you're going to create right now with buffalo killers and childbearing hips. Yeah, I'm going to have like Kim Kardashian on one side. No offense, Kim. And, but, but the girls got hips and yes. And then I'll have, yes, a nice buffalo killer on the other side. But, but I mean, everyone out there, doesn't that suddenly like, Like, aren't bells going off? Aren't light bulbs, like, lighting up over all of your heads right now? Because if you think about that as as these vestiges of our ancient brains, our 200,000-year-old brains trying to live in the 21st century, we haven't necessarily caught up. And what I loved in your TEDx was you told the story of, of one particular client who came in and you did this exercise of sitting down and writing down over six foot tall, makes more money than I do, you know, well-educated, you know, all those things, which all dive back into that good provider, can take care of a family, you know, go kill a good buffalo or two. And then you, you, you know, walk beyond that with her. It's such a heartwarming and bit of relief to realize that, as you just said, we can turn this around and start, you know, looking for other qualities. Yeah. And, and I think that that's the most important thing is if you feel like if your picker's off, just know that it's evolutionary. And like Susan's saying, we might be wired as women to, to look for protect and provide, right? Tall and wealthy, successful, lots of education. And all of these things kind of fit into the modern day version of those cave person instincts. But I think the thing that will really start to shift things for you is searching for what we call elevator people. I love the elevator people. By the way, everyone out there, Bella is one of my elevator people. So (laughs) ditto. And you're one of my elevator people as well. And I'm sure you're going, what's an elevator person? Is that someone you meet in an elevator? You know, one of those people that you, you try not to look at, or you make small talk with and say, you know, what floor can I push for you? No. Why don't you tell us Bella who the elevator people are? So Elevator people are people that think about the people in your life that make you really happy. And when I say they make you happy, it's the people that elevate you. They make you feel good about yourself, but like an elevator, right? They bring you up, but they also keep you grounded and safe like an elevator when it brings you back down to the ground floor, right? It brings you down slowly and they keep your feet on the ground. They're honest with you, but they make you feel so good. And so What we did in the TED Talk is illustrate a story of a client named Anna who gave us that list of all the things that she wanted. He should be tall with hair, adventurous, make more money than me. But then we asked her to tell us about the people that make you happiest. Who are they individually? Take us through each one, one by one. Tell me their names and then tell me why they're on this list. What makes them an elevator person 
for you. And what this list is not, elevator people aren't, hey, my friend, Susan Guthrie, who, and she makes me happy because she's beautiful. She looks like a beauty contestant pageant from Miss Michigan. She's smart. She's really well-traveled. But those are great things about Susan. But Bella, that's not why Susan elevates you. Why would Susan be on your elevator list? And I would say she's a complete cheerleader. She's so positive. She looks for what's good. She tells me what's good. I know she would always have my back and she always does. And those, that's why Susan is an elevator person. Why does she elevate me? And so as you think about this switch in what you think you want in a partner versus looking at elevator people in your life. And, and the big thing to do is look at your elevator people, make this list of the things that make you happy and look for the theme and what you want to do, ladies and gentlemen, when you're in the dating world is look for a person that is like your elevator people, meaning they make you feel the same way that your elevator people do. It sounds so simple and it's such a complete and utter mind shift if you really think about it. For my divorce professionals out there, I wanted to let you know about a new training that Christina and I, in conjunction with my training academy, the Mostyn Guthrie Academy, have created. It's called the Co-Parenting Specialist Training Program. This is a certification program where all participants are going to receive a certification as a co-parenting specialist. The lead trainer and creator is Christina. And this training is really for family law attorneys, mediators, collaborative professionals, coaches, and really anyone out there working with divorcing and separating parents. Because the goal of this course is to train the professionals in how to help their clients, their co-parents, really put the children at the center, not the middle of a divorce. And it really helps the professionals with that layer of understanding that they need to have in order to educate and support their clients, the parents, to help and support their children. So it's a four-day training. We have our first one coming up in February. We're repeating it again in May. So if you have any interest or want to know more about it, visit the website at mostonguthrie.com. It's under Co-Parenting Specialist Training Program. If you have any other questions, you can reach out to me at susan at mostonguthrie.com. And we hope to see you there. Stay tuned for more from my conversation with America's favorite dating expert, Bella Gandhi, on how to fix your picker and stop falling in love with the wrong people. We tend to ignore red flags, sweep them under the rug. And then what, like Susan was harking to those divorce statistics, if half of us get divorced the first time, why do we do it again at a 67% rate? Because we're doing what feels comfortable versus what feels right. If you are enjoying this episode, check out Co-Parenting Under One Roof, six expert tips for making it work with Christina McGee in a special two-part episode. 
in addition to figuring out how to parent solo, you're going to have to acquire different skill sets because whether you realize it or not, you know, you each have strengths and weaknesses, different things you bring to the parenting relationship. You may have to up your game in certain areas or make some adjustments or not rely on each other for certain things. So it's a big transition doing it in increments, right? While you're all in one home can be really advantageous. And now we return to today's show. We tend to, especially in dating, especially the way dating is set up in the world we live in today as an online sport, I'm going to call it. I don't know what you want to call it. An online exercise. It is so visual. It is all about appearance. And then like, what do you want to call them? Keywords, right? Like, you know, it's all what this person looks like as you swipe by them and those those hashtags about them that we all can, that they decide to share with us. And what you're really, I mean, nobody's talking about in their description of themselves, the fact that they are a, like I'm thinking of some of the things I love most about my husband, a truly loyal person. Um, a truly supportive person, a true partner in this world. So how do you want, even when you know those things about someone or the, or about your elevator people, how do you go about finding those people? It's not like they're advertising that stuff. The simple answer to that is, is it's not simple. And what you have to do, dating in a sense, when you're looking through the apps, look at it as in some senses, as a process of elimination, what you want to do is not just say, oh, he's ugly. I don't like her, blah, blah, blah. But what you want to do is eliminate people that demonstrate red flags in their profiles, people that sound negative, people that sound like they just haven't done their work. They're saying, please do not contact me if you don't look like your pictures. Please do not contact me if you're separated, if you're this, if you're that. It's like anybody that's spewing out negativity most likely is going to be a negative person. So once you do that filtering, the thing that you're going to have to do, and this is what no one wants to hear, is there's no three-day wonder to this. You just have to continue to put this on slow-mo to some extent. In dating, everybody wants to take it to 2X. They want to fast forward and listen to it and go, okay, I got all the key points. There's no fast forwarding through this process. You need to go through it one foot in front of the other. And I'll tell you what. You shouldn't want to be exclusive with somebody and you're not even going to know everything about this person, even if you've been on 15 to 20 dates with them. I did Steve Harvey's show for seven seasons and he's written books on dating. And Steve and I, while very different in a lot of ways and our outlooks are different, we were very much in concord on one key point. And he would say, ladies, keep your benefits <laughs> and your cookies in the cookie jar for 90 days, meaning... Do not sleep with someone for 90 days and give it up too quickly. And we call it sex exclusivity, right? And so these are real ways to date slowly to really make sure that this person is an elevator person and not a wolf in sheep's clothing. And the only way to know that, guys, is time. There is no substitute for time in the dating process, especially when it comes to ascertaining if somebody is or is not an elevator person for you. It's the, the, probably I would think the hardest aspect 
for people to grasp in all of this. And the hardest to accept, I will tell you, we have a couple of friends out there in this world right now, no names shall be shared, but who are out there um, dipping their toes into this dating world. And a few of them have found someone they're interested in. And all the excitement of finding someone is there. All that, I mean, for those of, if you're like me, if you're like Bella, we've been married forever. All those early days of dating are not something, I mean, I, I can remember, but you know, they, they're, they're vaguely in the past. And seeing this through the fresh eyes of these friends who are going through this, I can see all the excitement and all of that. But you know, what you're talking about is this this underlying undercurrent of the elevator qualities and not necessarily the zing and the zang of sexual attraction and that feeling of after not having been with someone for a while, wow, this is so exciting. So, you know, is there any other short, is there any way to shortcut it or is it really that it just has to be time? You need time. I mean, sometimes you get lucky and it's the first person, you know, everybody knows that one person who went on a first date on Tinder or met someone in a bar, slept with them, and they've been happily married for 47 years and have three kids and eight grandkids. That's called the exception, not the rule. Right. So right. don't, that's the grass is always greener scenario. You don't want to, you don't want to compare yourself to the exception look more at the rules of what we're saying. And the rules, meaning not that you have to prescribe to these rules, you do you, boo, in the dating world. But what we're saying is just slow it down. There is no metal to finishing first in this process. And in fact, when we go too fast, you know what we tend to do? We tend to have sex too soon, get oxytocin bonded. And then we have a mindset of scarcity. We tend to ignore red flags, sweep them under the rug. And then what, like Susan was harking to those divorce statistics, if half of us get divorced the first time, why do we do it again at a 67% rate? Because we're doing what feels comfortable versus what feels right. You know, I, as a you know divorce attorney, 30 plus years here, folks, I cannot tell you how many times I have seen clients float in on the pink cloud of post-divorce love and within a year or two after that, you know, where I've drafted the new prenup or I've attended the new wedding, they unfortunately will end up back in my office for that 67% second, you know, divorce because it was, it was all in the moment feelings. I always say, you know, I, I look at clients who are going through divorce or, who have recently gone through a breakup, who are very eager, and this never comes out the right way, but I haven't figured out a better way to say it, to fill that empty hole in their the life. Void. Yeah, void, the void. Okay, they're looking to fill the void, and it's more about filling the void than what is filling it and, and that person. Um, so, you know, another question that comes up for me in this, because we've been talking about, you know, this world of dating, it's online, it's it's rather superficial in its presentation as you're, before you're getting to know people. And I was sitting with another friend and she was swiping through one of the apps, I think it was Tinder. Um, and she held up a guy who said, you know, he sounds really good, but he's bald and that's not really my my thing. And 
I just, I, I guess my question is, is how do you, you're looking for these like fine qualities in someone, but as you're looking through a dating app, how do you get over that? Like looking at someone and maybe they're not your ideal attractive person or something like that. When you start looking for elevator people, it's like what you focus on grows. And if you identify your elevator qualities as something like Susan said about her husband, he's loyal, he's supportive, he's a great partner in life, right? And when you start to focus on those kinds of things, what you focus on grows. And suddenly attraction can grow to people that you might not have been attracted to two weeks ago or two months ago. So love will always come to you in an unexpected package. So that's my quick monologue. It's saying, even if you might not be attracted to the photo, but the person looks good, sounds good, give them a chance because I cannot give you one love story that we've helped to author. And there's been thousands in the last 12 and a half years that started out with this person was so hot. I knew from the first moment I saw them online, this was it. Usually that's not going to be it. It's always the, oh my gosh, three months ago, I wouldn't have given this person a, a swipe. And now I've never been happier. I've never been happier. Let me just point out, Bella, we told you those statistics at the beginning. First marriage is 50%, et cetera, on and on. Bella, you've been doing this for what, 12, 13 years, thousands of people. How many of your couples have divorced? Zero. And zero, everybody, zero divorces. And that would be for, I think you told me once 75% of your clients um, are divorced and are getting back out into the dating world. So for those people who have gotten married, who have been smart dating academy clients and, and, and found their elevator people, none of them have gotten divorced. And that, that says something about your process um, and about this, this concept of looking beyond the external package. But there is a huge part of it, and we started this whole episode with this concept of, of you needing to do some work yourself. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, and, and that's exactly what, that's why I started the company 12 years ago was to help people to realize that there is work to do because we're not wired to make good choices for ourselves, right? So even today, people are like, I just need better matches. I don't need coaching. And it's like, we're not built to pick the right people. A lot of us luck into it from the beginning, but we don't know why. So it, you really do want to think about things in a different way to get different results this time. It's so important to do that work before you jump in, like Susan said, just to fill the void, because most likely you're going to end up with Mr. Right now instead of Mr. Right. It's really true. We're smi I'm smiling when you say that, but it's, it's actually not funny when somebody who has already just gone through the trauma of a divorce or a separation or a breakup, and then that cycle just continues to perpetuate itself. And, you know, this whole thing with dating coaching, you know, helping people with dating, I was thinking of it from a perspective of helping people spiff up their profile, helping them get the right pictures out there, helping them, you know, sort of pull themselves together and package themselves to get out there on the market. And you do, you do have wonderful photographers and you do help them with that. But so much more of what you do 
and and the important part of what you do not that the other that isn't nice to get help with is really the internal work of getting someone ready to get out there and find Mr. Right or Ms. Right, not Ms. or Mr. Right now. Yeah, 100%. That's so well said. And what we do is we put guardrails around people. Like we protect you from yourself basically and from accepting red flags. Cause you know, it's one thing, it's like anything, you learn something, you can read, you can read how to play tennis, right? You can get a PhD, but until you get out on that court and you bounce the ball and you hit it, you don't know how to play tennis per se. So once you can know, okay, this is my high GHQ person. These are red flags. Okay. That's great. I have all of this stuff in my head, but now once you get in the arena, what are we going to do? And that's where what we do is put the protection and the accountability around people so that you don't do the same thing and swim into the same current all over again. Right. It's like knowledge is one thing. Execution is wholly another. So getting support around you could not be more important, especially if you are coming out of divorce or you've been divorced a while and you're thinking of getting back in. You don't want to swim back into that old current. And you might think, you know, well, I know what a narcissist is. I know what I don't want this time, but chances are you don't know how one presents in the beginning. And suddenly two years later, you're going to go, ah, how am I flat on my back in the same like destructive scenario that I've been in before, because you don't know how to identify the red flags because you've sped it up too much, right? You've gone fast and furious. You've, and, and we sweep the red flags under the rug. So this is how the cycle perpetuates. It's not your fault. It reminds me of Yogi Berra. It's like deja vu all over again. If your love life feels like deja vu all over again, then, you know, it's time to take the pause. It's time to do that work on yourself. Uh, It's time to start understanding. And you said a few things. You said GHQ, the red flags. Those are things that we've talked about in some of the other episodes, folks. So if you're wondering what GHQ is, we're not going to tell you here. You have to go listen to um, Dating After Divorce, Bella's first episode, which we covered all of that. But I do want to hit on, because you brought up the word, and we've, we've talked about this as well, the narcissist. And I don't know what's happening in this world. I know everyone thinks they're divorcing a narcissist, but I have also noticed that there does seem to be um, amongst my friends who date more red flags around narcissism in the people that they're dating. And I don't know exactly what's going on in this world, but I know that you have on your website an infographic for people that talks about how to find those red flags. But let's, let's chat about a few of those because it is much easier to avoid a narcissist than to get out of a relationship with a narcissist. Absolutely. And, and Susan and I were joking around before we, we started taping this episode, right? That the narcissist is really kind of the new N word in (laughs) the dating world. And right. And everybody thinks, oh, he's a narcissist. She's a narcissist. But really at the end of the day, we can all be selfish, right? We come into this world alone, we leave alone, and we're all, we're, we're selfish to survive. So it's not necessarily a bad thing, but narcissism is something very different. It's a mental health issue, ultimately born out of very low self-esteem. So can everybody act like a jerk sometimes? 
Absolutely. Susan's been married a long time. I've been married a long time. We can all be jerky and we can all be treated like jerks for sure, even by the best of people. But a true narcissist, a couple of quick hits on that, right? They can be, and there there can be the covert dark narcissist or there can be the life of the party, you know, I want all the attention on me, narcissist, right? So they, they they run a gamut. It's not, they all look the same and they're all the charming, debonair, well-dressed people. They can be the dark and broody ones as well. But a real narcissist lacks empathy. A real narcissist believes that they're entitled to special treatment, even though they're not. You are not the president of the United States. I know you think you should be treated like that. And lines don't, I don't need to wait in that line. Do you know who I am? <laughs> not really. So if that's out of line, right? And they believe that they should only be associating with other very high status people, right? These are really the hallmarks of somebody with narcissistic personality disorder. They can be very manipulative. So is the person you're with a jerk or an a-hole or are they actually a full-blown narcissist? That only a therapist can give you a real diagnosis about NPD. And I think there's nine things that a therapist looks for and you have to display five of them. And, and, and the book is called the DSM-5 that they refer to. But if you display five out of nine in a variety of contexts, so right, being a clinical narcissist, they say maybe 5% of the population is clinically narcissistic. So you may just be with the jerk, right? And when we don't like someone, we can all kind of behave narcissistically, but really the red flags are just some of the ones that I've said, right? They always play the victim. They need constant compliments because it's low self-esteem, but they've built this delusion of grandeur about themselves. And we want to buy into it. We want them to be this like larger than life picture of themselves that they've created. And they can be extremely charming and draw you in. But unfortunately, those red flags are almost always there. Go to Bella's website, smartdatingacademy.com. And right up at the top of the landing page, there's a link and you can get her infographic, um, which is really helpful because if you are going to get out there in the dating world, just do yourself a favor and avoid the narcissists in the exactly, world. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> or you'll end up in a divorce attorney office someday down the road, unfortunately. Fortunately, one of the things I want to make sure that we talk about Bella here as, as we are um, sitting here in the beginning of January is you have another exciting announcement. You just had your TEDx launch and now you have another launch coming up and I just want to make sure we tell everyone about it. Yay. Well, my really my elevator person and your favorite host, Susan Guthrie has been, I call her my podcast mama because from the day she met me, she said, you should have a podcast. You should have a podcast. And so we have a podcast and you can follow it, download it. It's called the Smart Dating Academy podcast with Bella Gandhi. Yay. All things dating, all things relationships, all things Susan by the time you're listening to this, there should be an episode with your favorite Susan Guthrie on the Smart Dating Academy podcast. I am so excited because that is the 100% the truth. From the minute I met Bella, I was like, why do you not have a podcast? I mean, frankly, she should have a talk show. She should be like not on Ellen's show. Hey, wait, isn't Ellen's show ending? Bella would be a fabulous replacement for for Ellen. Hello, who's out there listening? NBC. 
But I am so excited because you this is the this is the podcast that anyone who's listening to this episode needs to subscribe to and go listen to because you've you've met Bella. There's a reason why all of my listeners love you so much and there's a reason why you are so successful at helping people find love. And it's because you know what you're doing and you are you have that way of of getting that information over to people in a way that they can access and that they can assimilate and that they can find that that love. You are the sun, the sunshine that comes into the room. If my husband, who by the way everyone is not the most effusive guy in the world. I love him. calls calls Bella the sunshine that walks into the room. Then you know she is. So I'm so excited for your podcast to, to launch. As we just said, it's out there. It's out on all major podcast um, outlet episodes. I'm going to have, of course, a link to it in the show notes. And um, I sub- I urge everyone, go subscribe right now so you don't miss an episode. Again, I am so delighted. I've always said one of the best things that ever happened to me was moving to Chicago. And everybody out there is like, die, you know, like shocked that I would say that, but I got to meet you because I moved to Chicago and some of our other wonderful friends. And it's just been, it's such a a joy in my life. You are definitely one of my elevator people. And I so appreciate what you're doing to help people find love. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm jumping through this microphone to give you a huge hug, my elevator person and my podcast mama. So thank you so much for having me on. This is my favorite podcast. Well, we we love having you and I can't wait to be on the Smart Dating Academy podcast with Bella Gandhi. So we're going to go tape that now, guys. Yeah, do go tune in. Again, links to that, um, my episode and the podcast in the show notes, everyone. You can also reach out to Bella um, at the Smart Dating Academy website, smartdatingacademy.com, or reach out to me and I'll get you connected to her. You can reach out to me at divorceandbeyondpod at gmail.com. So thank you, Bella. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond. Thank you.